Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers. And today we are doing a show and our title is Aging Creatively, Dancing with the Polka with my special guest, Hey, Now, you, you probably have questions about much of this, so I'll explain. The aging process moves us from the from infants and precocious juveniles through to the great responsibilities of adulthood from establishing a career, building a home and a family. Kids grow up and leave the roost and now retirement looms. Successful retirement, then what? The activities and interactions decrease. The pace slows to occasional visits from the kids and the grandkids, then what? What is next? Creativity. Creativity is a powerful means for us to look at aging gracefully. Now, my guest today, let me give you a little background on my guest today. Sandra Gay is an educator, a poet, Black historian, who has had a lifelong love affair with the theater. A native of Brooklyn, New York, Sandra received her teaching degree from Fordham University, majoring in elementary education and theater with a minor in art history. Through her life, she has taught workshops and classes at San Juan, Puerto Rico, Oakland, California, Roosevelt, New York, Lagos, Nigeria, and also Indianapolis, Indiana, where she currently resides. She is the founder of one of Indianapolis's longest-running Black theater companies, Actors, Inc. As a COVID-19 survivor, Sandra has taken her theater company in a new direction with a renewed sense of purpose focused on what she playfully calls polka, or people of a certain age. In collaboration with Witherspoon Presbyterian Church of Indianapolis, of which I attend, she has dedicated her efforts to use theater and dance to engage seniors creatively by stimulating their imaginations and sharpening their mind, dancing to the rhythm of music for their body, providing the ultimate healing and renewal by inspiring and uplifting of the spirit. Please help me welcome my special guest today, Ms. Sandra Gay. Hi, Billy. Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Now, we, we are familiar with one another, as you can tell by we're not punching or anything, but Sandra and I have worked together uh, uh, over the years, and I have always found it. I never had the privilege of working with her in her theater company. I think I worked in every other theater company but yours, but <laughs> okay. But over time, uh, you know, after I traveled about and then returned back home. There were several 
projects of major importance and significance. And every one of those projects, I reached out to Sandra Gay to serve as my stage manager because of my respect for her uh, talents, her skills, and her leadership. So she has seen me in the best of times and some of the worst of times. But throughout it all, we, we've managed to pull off some pretty amazing things. And I'm proud to call her a friend, a colleague, and sister girl, and everything else. And so I have great fondness and respect for Sandra Gay. And so I thought it would be a, an interesting journey today to take a look at her um, her, her life in, in, a, in a different context. Um, First of all, she's had this lifelong love affair with theater, and I don't really know why or where that started. So I thought, let's drag her in front of the whole world and ask her that question. So, Sandra, what in the world was it about theater that caught your fancy? And I'm imagining at a young age because a lifelong would have included childhood as well. I didn't know theater. I started off as a dancer at six years old. Okay. I made my my dancing debut at Carnegie Hall doing uh, Give Me a Little Kiss. I was a chocolate kiss, thank you very much, at six. <laughs> Started with uh, jazz tap ballet. Didn't like ballet that much, but I love tap, I love tap. So I did that for a while. At 12, I was teaching mm, in right. Staten Island. Uh, actually, I was teaching at what, a drum and bugle corps? Okay. So the precision of that, so I did that. But it, it started when I was six. I was just doing what I do. But I discovered that I could do a lot of stuff with theater and teach, you know, using theater and drama and dance and all that stuff. I could do a lot of stuff. I used to teach my, um, my kids math by teaching them dance, eight counts to a step. Oh, wait, if you do that twice, oh, oh wait, we've multiplied. So that kind of thing. Wow. That's fascinating. Well, both well then your your story is very similar to mine, at least from the standpoint that that magic number seemed to be about six years old when I was smitten and bitten by the <laughs> by the bug that that then led me into the creative process. And music was it was uh, uh, Red Nickels and the Five Pennies. I've talked about that many times, and it was uh, it wasn't Danny Kaye who I always enjoyed because I always would go in you know on Saturday afternoons and watch the little Saturday afternoon movie musicals and mm -hmm. whatnot. And uh, so I was watching the five pennies and, and this black guy comes in and it was, you know, initially sort of just a dialogue scene, but I was absolutely captivated by him. And then later in the program, he picks up the trumpet and he's blowing and I was just mesmerized by him. And of course that was Louis Armstrong. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, and what, you know, almost just a cameo in the mm -hmm. movie, quite yeah. frankly. And uh because Red Nichols himself was a trumpet player. So it, was, it wasn't the trumpet as it related to Red Nichols, but it was the trumpet as it related to Louis Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, over the years, I have been able to uh, articulate what that was. Number one, there was something in his, he's, he's one of those it people. You know, it people just walk in the room and everybody turns and goes, who in the world is that? Is that right? It's not because he knocked down Gore, just because I would not say Louis Armstrong fell into any category of Casanova or anything. But there's something, something about that man. He has get, he's got it. He's got it. <clears throat> and um, and later I was able to to figure out what it was when I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably close to 30 years old, but 
the idea was understanding the concept that the musical instrument is an extension of the human voice. Okay. So when you listen to Louis talk, just as he had the growl in his voice, it also went through his horn. Yes. yes. So yeah. so to be in, in total sync with oneself is a very powerful mm. thing, you know, because most musicians really don't attain or achieve their own voice. They're right. too busy copycatting right. and just playing riffs mm -hmm. without figuring out, you know, what the hell it is they really want to say. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so... And that that is the artist's, you know, uh, quest for life is just mm. trying to figure out who they are through this thing. Right. Tap dancing for me was totally immersive. I could just put my my tap shoes on, close my eyes and I'd be gone making rhythms, repeating rhythms, seeing what I could do mm -hmm. with my feet. Mm -hmm. And I learned from <clears throat> an old line tap dancer. We used to tap dance in our socks, in our shoes, in our tap shoes, do it sitting down, you know, do it facing away from the mirror. He wanted to make sure you do do it. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I could say anything or the world could say anything to me. If I could tap dance, I was okay, whatever. Just let me go dance. I'm fine. Right. Well, because the rhythm is is in your feet and, yeah. and so the, the the clicks are just there to amplify it and mm -hmm. to make it audible for others but otherwise the rhythm is still mm -hmm. you know there um that's amazing that's amazing so what led you from because you're from brooklyn new york and um i'm just trying to figure out a little bit of slight feedback issue but um so how did you land in indianapolis I, I was it a martian thing or something because that's the only reason i could think of that somebody would consciously want to come to indianapolis because i've been trying Brooklyn, to get right? out of, yeah i'm still trying to get out of here i said escape from new york no it's escape from indianapolis i mean so um believe it or not i came to indianapolis because i was bored i worked for a corporation that had decided she's good at what she does let's leave her there and I'm like, no, there's other things that I can do and want to do. And they're like, no, you, you, you stay right there. I had a dance company, you know, 75 kids. Mm -hmm. We danced all over Brooklyn. That was when they had the dance mobile in New York. Oh, yeah. And we did dance Africa. We just we danced everywhere. But I wanted to write. I mean, I was writing the shows for our recitals, but I wanted to write, you know, something else. Mm -hmm. No, 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 you stay right there. Ooh. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. The idea of stay in your place yeah. is really yeah. kind of what that starts to imply. Yeah. So a friend of mine had moved here. She called me and she says, what are you doing? I said, man, 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 man. She goes, well, I've got something I need you to do. Okay. I said, you got any money? She goes, I got a little bit. I packed up my sneakers and my apartment and my child and we came here. I mean, the, the drive from New York to Indianapolis was like worthy of its own movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine. Because the day before I left, I didn't even have a car. My brother came by the house. He says, how are you getting there? I said, I don't know. He says, well, here, take that. So that's how I got here. Car had no trunk. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, the adventure began right there. Right. The coat hanger as yeah, the yeah, antenna. Yes, yes, yes. And oh we're pulling gosh. a hitch. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, now, 
you know, I knew how to drive, but I didn't know how to drive with the hitch. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. We tried packing that puppy up. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. But, you know, through the grace of God, I called a girlfriend of mine. I said, what are you doing? She goes, nothing. I said, well, you want to go to Indianapolis? She goes, where is that? I said, it's over there. She goes, okay, fine. So she used to use those big orange juice can rollers in her hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's sitting in my car in a 1967 Impala with the rollers in her hair. We got a hitch behind us, and we're going to Indianapolis. Mm. All we knew it was over there. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still over there. I know. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, coming from Brooklyn, all this blue skies, green grass, it was kind of like, yeah, I like that. Right, right. Then you realize that the blue skies, green grass are masking the fact that that's it. Blue skies, green grass. Right. You know, goods and services in this town make me crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, Indiana Beach, it's 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 motto. It, there's a there is a beach. In, in the middle of the midway. Yeah. Um, it's called Indiana Beach. It's a little theme park for uh, families and, and whatnot. But their motto is there's more than corn in Indiana. And I played at Indiana Beach and the drive from Indianapolis to Indiana Beach is nothing but corn. So um, my answer to there's more than corn in Indiana not much more than corn in Indiana, but I say all that, but I, but I actually uh, possess a great deal of Hoosier pride um, for many, many reasons, because this place has given uh, it's something in the soil, something in the water, because there's some great folks that came out oh, of Indianapolis yeah, and, and yeah. the state of Indiana, Michael Jackson mm -hmm. from Gary, Indiana, you know, just, it just, the list goes on great jazz musicians and artists of all all kind of flavors. And so, um, so I'm very proud to be uh, in that, that uh number. just as an aside my friends in new york in brooklyn they love to hear me talk about indianapolis i took a picture of myself picking corn mm -hmm. or they were that you really picking corn we don't grow corn in brooklyn so right <laughs> right <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> right wow so I am I am here with my friend today, Sandra Gay, and she is revealing all of her deep, dark secrets to us uh, during the show. And the title of today's show is, uh, what is it? Uh, Aging Creatively, mm -hmm. uh, Dancing to the Polka, not Polka, but Polka. And we will get into uh, our understanding of what that all means as we continue the show, you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and we're glad that you're joining us today with my guest, Sandra Gay, and we will be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires, as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. 
Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspire Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and today we are talking about aging creatively, dancing with the polka. Not polka, polka. Details at 11. Uh, with my guest today, Sandra Gay. So, so before we go any further, I just I would like to to put a footnote into this and make sure that we cover this. So, um, Sandra just was telling us about her journey and how she landed in Indianapolis, Indiana, and so, and we're grateful for that in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, many many people have benefited from her knowledge and her contributions and and that sort of thing. But the one thing I want to make sure that we don't overlook is that she came here as a um, single parent and she was able to raise her son, Chris, who is uh, became an Olympic athlete. So uh, I just want to commend you for all of that work, because a lot of times in the narratives, we may overlook that we get to talking about singing and dancing and we, we forget some of the real life dramas and challenges. And so I, I always admire um, folks that, that are in those, that, that type of situation. And cause I know that's gotta be tough and, but you handled it and you produced a, a productive and a, a, uh, where's Chris now he's, he's teaching or he's. He was coaching at Purdue. He's now an agent like uh, Jerry Maguire. Okay, sports yeah. agent. Yeah, show and I don't me let the him money. Be, yep, right. show me the money. Yeah, I need to talk to him about that. But, uh. <laughs> but he, I mean, he, he likes it. He's very successful. My oldest grandson signed with the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team. Wow. Now he's been playing baseball since he was six. Wow. Okay. You know, they tried to get him to, you know, try other sports and he tried them and then he said, Are we done? Okay, and then you go back to baseball. Right, right. So he's with the Tampa Bay Rays. My youngest grandson is eight, and he's just waiting for the contract. Right, <laughs> the, the Tyson, next right. Tyson fight. Right, you know, he's just waiting for the contract. So, 
And see, you know, and 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 that's amazing. And I wanted to make sure that we get that stuff in because that that those are huge accomplishments on on monumental levels. So so now let's venture back to to our story here. So you were you 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 arrive in Indianapolis. So I just want to kind of get an idea of how you were able to establish yourself in the arts community here. And, and you know, I, I don't want to go through the whole thing because this, this program is really not about that, but it is an important piece. Um, so, so what did you do and how did you become who you are? I mean, I don't know, how did it start and how does it move through? Well, the through? very first show I did in Indianapolis was for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Okay. We did that at the Civic Theater. Okay. Francine Kelly was on the board. Initially, they had asked another uh, lady to direct. And when they asked for her vision, evidently that wasn't going to work for them. So they came to me because I had presented myself to the Civic Theater as I will do whatever it takes. You know, I just want to play. So they came to me, asked me what I was going to do, and I told them something. Something. It was really something like off right, the top of my head. Right, right. But I had seen the show in New York. I hung out with the ladies. One of the ladies I taught with at Columbia was in the show, Akukadogo. So I knew the show. And I had done radio with the ladies. We did a show um, on WLIB in New York. And the question was it was uh, Abiyo Dune from The Last Poets. Mm -hmm. So Abiyo Dune was, I'm here to answer the question about for colored girls you know we're all sitting back chilling when it came time to talk our response was we didn't ask you a question this is not about you right. and they were all fluffed up to be angry black man eh, get yeah. over it so the first show i did was for colored girls they wanted the civic theater wanted to do the show in a small studio theater that held 150 people and run for a month and i said you do not introduce Black Indianapolis to legitimate theater in the basement. I don't care how pretty the basement is, it's a basement. Mm -hmm. So the, the compromise was one weekend in the big house, 700 seats. Right. We were standing room only. Amazing. Standing room only. Now, now for, for the benefit of our listeners who don't know anything about civic theater, civic theater was is probably, I'd say, the, the premier community theater mm -hmm. in the city of Indianapolis. We have a, a at the time, certainly a healthy community theater community. I mean, we probably had about 11 or 12 theaters around right. that time. Uh, one of the largest community theaters, uh, communities in the nation, actually. And civic theater was pretty much the cream of the crop. It was right. borderline, as close to professional as you could get. Professional mm -hmm. staff, yeah. where all the other places, it truly was community theater. Mm -hmm. Nobody was getting paid. Uh, I mean, if you found a penny on the ground, we were scrapping for it. So and um, so I just want to make sure that you understand when she's talking about civic theater, what that means in a community of Indianapolis. That was a big deal. It, it that was, was a big deal. deal. Yeah. Uh, residents were calling the uh, theater asking, where are you? They'd never been there, never heard of it. Right. But because it was for colored girls, black Indianapolis responded. Right. The Civic Theater, bless their little hearts, paid attention. Mm -hmm. So for like three years, they would always do at least one. So I did Color Girls, Raisin, uh, Ain't Misbehaving at the Civic and at uh, uh, Phoenix. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was for color girls that that was the first show I ever did. And uh, since it was such a big deal, I was on all the talk shows at the time. Yeah. You know, and I just want to point out something, you know, since I started this podcast, my focus has been on racism in America and you're, you're knocking on the door of something here. And I just want to clarify and just kind of kick the door down the you mentioned that uh, civic theater would do sort of each, you know, a black show for you and you, and you mentioned about three years. Well, no, I'm going to correct you. Cause they did then guys, and it, it, it was one black show per season and they, they pulled that off for about 15 years. And the rationale behind that and the actual fact about that was these black productions were always, uh, you know, if it, it, it turned into singing, singing and dancing. I mean, was that mm-hmm. as in musicals and it started to become the show that they could count on every year, year after year, and they could allocate the lowest budget. Yep. And they would sell these shows out all the time. So they were the biggest money makers. Right. Because they were able to drive the budgets down, which meant people were getting under, you know, getting mm-hmm. pimped out hard. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but nonetheless, they would do them every year because they found that Again, and these conversations I've had with uh, Janet Allen, at uh, who is the artistic director of the Indiana Repertory Theater, which is our professional theater yeah. in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. pretty much our lone, yeah. you know, uh, well, our top tier as far mm-hmm. as the 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 uh, professional theater. And we were talking about that, and she just really didn't understand that. And I said it's economics, and 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 she said, well, why is that? And I said it's because there's so little entertainment that is black oriented that when you do it even on occasion right everybody comes out because you better catch it now because it'll be 12 months before you ever see another black person on the stage you know or 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 see a black show so and and this model that we're talking about that that sort of use of uh sort of capitalizing on the racism and, Mm -hmm. and and the 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 oppression if you will that model, a lot of people use that. Oh, yeah. A lot of people oh, yeah. use that same model. So again, from the entertainment community, just speaking out loud and saying, again, this is yet another manifestation of how racism and, and the difficulty, you know, and for so many years, even on the TV shows, you know, you'd look at a cast of 30 people and maybe there was a black walk on or the guy that robbed you at the ATM scene and right. stuff. But it was like the formula was, one right one and and it was it was very much sort of the token and see we're not racist see what is a black guy but he's he's the robber he's right the crook, he's the you know and then they became all the police chiefs right I mean, or, or but, the mailman yeah their own stereotypes all over and over again but and and so i will say to the extent that what television looks like today that there have been uh improvements but the real improvements will only occur and are starting to occur when there are uh people of color in the main office and yes. as the studio executives, yes. because then there is, we're getting closer to equity, um, an equitable situation. So anyway, I just wanted to address that because that's a real big thing. Oh, yeah. uh, in- when we did for colored girls, there were no black technicians. I had to train everybody who worked that show was trained on the spot. Mm-hmm. The set designer for Raisin was a friend of mine from New York, Felix Cochran who went on to do two or three shows for IRT. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had never heard of him until I brought him. So 
Yeah. And, now that that introduces yet another point that I I want to say is that for and this has been like I don't know if it's just a a philosophy or something I adopted, and it was because I recognized that every person that had ever hired me took a risk. There was some explaining to do in the back room. I, I mean, and I knew there were people advocating and fighting for that. And I, I could go into mm. some specifics that I know about, but, but, uh, but because of that, I've always felt uh, the, the, the honor or the privilege, if you will, of being selected and the risk that somebody took, because it could have cost somebody their job, just even suggesting that guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, so, but I always feel grateful that I'm able to be there, but my work is not done until I can introduce them to somebody who I know is off the beaten path. They don't know about, but they should know yes. about. So it, my, my work is never satisfied until I'm able to bring one other person through that door and know that when that, that is competent, that is capable but for circumstances that we still can't quite explain properly, uh, we're never given the opportunity and don't run in the same circle and aren't on the in crowd or right, whatever right, you want to talk right. about or haven't been the token yet or whatever. So they, they, they just are completely unknown, even though they live right next door to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a big deal. And so that that work that you were doing as far as bringing people in and then training them and you know, that is hugely important because those opportunities weren't there and, you know, and aren't there until we take the bull by the horns right. and actually, you know, make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, um, so today we are talking about aging creatively. And as we continue talking, we continue aging. So um, <laughs> I just want to say that I am I am pleased to have my buddy Sandra Gay here today, and uh, we will get to this aging thing. We're coming. We're creeping right up on it. So um, we're grateful that you're with us today and and uh, stick and stay with us. We'll be back in just a no, minute. Not stick and stick today, and stay. we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. 
And now, let's get back to the conversation. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers, on the Inspired Choices Network with my guest today, Sandra Gay. And we're talking about aging creatively. And so I want to continue this conversation. So Sandra, as I had mentioned in the intro, is the um, artistic director and founder of one of the longest running uh, black theater companies in Indianapolis called Actors Inc. And so, uh, and again, these things, this is a, you know, perfect sort of segue from that last segment because, um, because when you get into talking about you were you were teaching before and now you're in Indianapolis and you're bringing in people who weren't in the who had been trained in this thing and all of a sudden you're teaching them so it's a natural progression that if I teach everybody in the room we can do our own thing you know yeah. what I mean so and and that's that's I'm sure the origin of let's do our own thing yeah because I got a bond you got a piano let's do it right exactly so. So and and I can attest to the you know the the incredibly long run of uh, of Actors Inc. and how many uh, black theater companies have come and gone um, over that period of time. They just didn't have the ability to 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 uh, withstand the storms, but you have, and so uh, you should be commended for that. Now I want to step into this crisis that we've all, the, the whole world has had to deal with um, over the last year, and that is COVID-19. And uh, I know that at some point during this pandemic, that Sandra Gay uh, visited or was visited by COVID-19, and that was very um, alarming and distressing on many people who know and love Sandra because you know, um, she she was there. And, and so I want to hear about her experience. And as you know, we just a few weeks ago in the month of uh, January, when we were doing uh, Healing and Hope, that I had the opportunity to talk to Rodney Stepp, who um, got COVID very early on March the 20th. And his journey is still, you know, a year later, he is still uh, dealing with the after effects of that and is not, not back to 100%. Yeah. So, so tell us about when you um, noticed, uh, I, I asked Rodney, I said, what was, what was, how did you feel the day before you felt something? Okay. Um, the Monday before I went in, I thought I had a cold and I was talking to my son and he says, you should Call your caregiver. Okay. Now they had, I used to work at the Julian Center as a receptionist. They had closed the center that Friday. I'm still not focused on. Now, what is the Julian Center? The Julian Center is a shelter for battered women. Okay. Okay. And I was the front desk receptionist. Okay. okay. So they had just closed the counseling center. The women would come and they would get psychiatric counseling. They would get help with finding an apartment and all that other stuff. So that's where I was. Okay. So they closed that. I'm still not centered on the idea, wait, there's an illness out there. I'm kind of like, okay. So I talked to my son, he says, call the doctor. I called the doctor, they said, yeah, you probably got to call, take this, that, and the other. So I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, the feeling of being out of kilter, out of focus. Mm -hmm. 
the whole week was like that. Okay. Foggy, sort of just not there. Yeah, not there. But not knowing you're not there. Okay. So I went in on a Sunday. That Sunday, my friend Kathy had been looking for me all week long. So she's calling. I don't know what possessed me, but I had given her a list of people to call in an emergency. She's calling everybody. Calling my friend in North Carolina, calling everybody. She called Chris. And they're all saying the same thing. We don't know where she is. We haven't seen her. So now it's panic time. So they call a friend of mine who lives closest to me. Somebody says you can do a welfare check. So my bed is 42 inches off the floor in my house. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my bed wallowing, having a grand old time. And I hear this boom, 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 at the front door. Scares me, almost fall out the bed. In the meantime, between that and getting to the door, my phone rang. So I'm on the phone, walking to the door. And the guy opens the door, takes one look at me, and says, you got to go. What? You got to go. So my friend on the phone is screaming, yes, go, go, go with them, go. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, it was like I couldn't make a decision, so... Anybody telling me to do something, okay, I'll do it. So I put my jacket on, got my pocketbook, and I left. The last thing I remember is standing on the um, steps of the ambulance saying to my friend, okay, I'll call you later. That's it. I know nothing. It took. It was up until last month that I found out how they knew my name. She went with me. I didn't know that. When, I, when did this start? Um, approximately. I went in March 29th, so backtrack three or four days. Mm-hmm. That was when I, I stopped. They tell me I stopped answering the phone. Okay. And I had, you know, I had no idea that anything was wrong. Right. So when I did wake up, I knew I was someplace. Wasn't sure where it was. Mm-hmm. But all I could see was like tar, liquid tar. And I'm like, I don't like that. So I went back to sleep. I was very good at that. The next time I wake up, I realize I've got every pipe in Indianapolis in my mouth. Just, it felt like there was like nothing but pipe. Wow. Now the doctors had been in and out, but I didn't know anything about it. So the doctor comes in, I'm awake now. Okay. And he's talking to me. I got all this stuff in my mouth. And my brain is like, and I'm supposed to answer you how? So I wiggled and they gave me pencil and paper and I said, whiteboard. That appeared the next day and then I could talk to them. But they want to have a conversation with me. I got everything in my mouth. And it went from there. No one, they tell me I was intubated for 18 days. Mm. I was in a coma for eight. Mm. And this is, I'm learning all this after the fact. Right, right. But once I became conscious, um, and aware that, you know, I, I was seriously ill, the thought in the back of my head was, I got, I got to go. I got something to do. So when I could, when they finally t- p- pulled the tube out and I could talk, the nurses were all saying, oh, this guy, you're so feisty, you're so strong, you know? And I'm like, no, I got a show to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, I got a show to do. And they didn't believe me. So when my son came to pick me up, they're telling him like it's an inside joke. Your mother told us she had a show to do it. He says she does. And then they were like, really? Oh, okay. And I did. I had been working with my pokers. 
And we had started a show, then I got sick. So in my mind, I had a show to do. Now, <laughs> this is this is interesting because now we're talking about this creativity, creativity and the power of creativity and and the effect it has because if you didn't have somewhere to be, you might not be. See, yeah, and yeah. so that because there's this through line that says I, there's this purpose that I mm-hmm. must I must live out right. or there's this obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're waiting for me right. now. Right. I gotta be somewhere. Right, right. I got something to do. And now, if you were just sitting there with, you know, I'm 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 done, game over. You know what I mean? Then that's a different thing. But the idea that there was something. So this was theater. This mm-hmm. was a a show that you had. Now let's let's explain the POCUS thing. And let's explain, because I I think that this is very powerful. And and I think that that was, the more I sat and thought about that, I was like, wow, you know what I mean? I mean, with all the making light of it and everything else, no, 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 it's purposeful. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, again, my, my whole mantra is creativity, connection, and compassion. So it's, everything in my life is involving and about all three of those things better be present or you just ain't getting the time of day out of me. I'm done because I I think life is just far too short to be, (laughs) you know, jiving around with any other, anything else. So if if all that's there, I'm all in. If it's not later for you, but I think that there's something very, very powerful that, that this thing existed and, 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 you know, creative juices, uh, you know, it, it's creative juices. It's it's recreation of cells that is called healing. Dan, you know what I mean? It's I, like, I hear what you're saying, but at the time, I wish I had said I was that deep. No, 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 no. All no. I'm saying is, I knew I had left something unfinished, and there was not a reason on the planet not to finish it. I felt that if we didn't finish it. The ladies would be disappointed and it would be just another T-shirt and jeans kind of theater company. Right, right. And since I've never done T-shirt and jeans, um, so I got a show to do. I mean, we had worked, we wrote the show. We produced the show. We marketed the show. We did everything. These 10 ladies. When this, when your interruption right. occurred, so right. you were already on the way, walking toward the stage. Yep. And oops, yep. <laughs> detour. Yep. So, so the notion of completion. Yes. Okay. So, so now this is this is what's here. Now, now explain to us, Polka. Explain to us what this this project is that you were doing. Not the show. That's irrelevant. I mean, you know, it could be any show. I mean, but but what is it? that you are doing, who are these ladies? What is the mission of this thing? And what in the world is polka? (laughs) Polka's came about because I realized that the words senior, elderly, um, I think there was one well-lived, all those words had negative connotations, okay? Images of, you know, people bent over with canes and you know, broken, right, and gray yeah. hair and right, right. Uh, bibs and all that other stuff. Well, I'm none of those things. So person of a certain age or people of a certain age or people who get up and go and got things to do, whatever they are, they're doing them. So polka is 
people of a certain, certain age. age. Okay. And now you know. And you're a polka. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I just got my new polka card. That's right. It's right behind my AARP okay. card, okay. by the way. You same, know. same. Yeah. So with the ladies, um, now the company is wasn't designed for all ladies, but it just worked down that. So she has taken her Actors, Inc. theater company and partnered up with Witherspoon Presbyterian Church. And she's focused the theater company on engaging polkas. polkas. Yes. My youngest is 63. My youngest, my oldest is 90. And there are 10 of them. So how many years are, are collective in that room? A we don't even do the numbers. We don't even do the numbers. You know, we're glad when we all show up. It's like, okay, another day. Let's keep it moving. That is, that is something. They are, I mean, for me, even as their instructor, they keep me crying. They are the funniest people. We spent 10 minutes one day discussing paper. Well, who's got the paper? Well, did you have it? No. I had, well, did you give it to her? Well, no, she had it the other. And they're involved. I mean, this is this is serious paper. Paper. Okay. Don't don't be around when we're talking about costuming. That takes forever. Well, can she wear that? Well, I don't know. She looks good in it. You think so? Well, what if we put some? No, we don't. Well, do we have anybody? <laughs> I mean, the tangents sometimes, oh, they can go on tangents, take you to Jersey, and you go like, hello, come in, come in. But we wow. laugh. The good thing is that we trust each other, so we can laugh at each other in your face and not go, oh, no, they're laughing at me. We laugh. We're working on a dance. Yeah, we dance. Although I tell them it's not dance, it's movement, because if they hear dance, they go crazy. They get stupid. I'm not dancing. One woman said, I didn't come up here to dance. I said, don't. We're doing movement. You want to come? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I was always the move well. Didn't quite hit okay. the threshold of dancer. Okay. Got kicked in the head several times from those dancers okay. standing next to me. So. so we just changed the language. And we were working on a certain movement that required that they move their pelvis. Well, some of them ladies ain't seen their pelvis in years. So first they had to find it, you know, and that that whole finding process is hysterical because they are literally standing in the middle of the floor trying to, is, is that it? Is that it? Wait, is that it? Wait, wait. Oh, wait, no, that's not it. They're having a conversation with themselves in the middle of the floor in to find it. Of my the pelvis. Pelvis. Yes. <laughs> but now it gets deeper. Once they find it, I'll say, move it. And they're like, one lady, when she discovered that she could move her pelvis, she was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. it. Oh. I, re I remember. I remember. <laughs> that was just it. It was like she closed her eyes, put her hand on her tummy, and just roll it. And I'm like, okay, then. Okay. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and we're talking about aging creatively with my guest, Sandra Gay. We'll be back in just a minute. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive 
into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. Uh, you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm here with my guest today, Sandra Gay. Sandra, so so with, with all the the giggles and the and the discovery and the rediscovery, which is which is important and it's it's fabulous. How what do you think this in in all seriousness? What do you think you have learned about and and observed that this process working with seniors? And in using creative creativity as our, as a means of how how does this how is this twofold how has this impacted or benefited the participants and then the second part of that is what has it done for you in terms of the participants I treat this class like any other class we'll say college level. So yeah, I'm asking you to do homework, show up on time, do what I ask you to do. And you know, the first couple of lessons, first couple of classes, they were sitting back waiting for the puzzle pieces to come out and you know, the knitting needles. This is not that room. You need to go down the hallway. So they like being challenged. I will ask them to do what I would ask any college level college, any college level theater class to do. Okay. So we read scripts, we read speeches. Um, the first thing they had to learn was dialect. We did Paul Lawrence Dunbar's When Melindy Sings, which is written in dialect. And they had to learn to read it. That was hysterical and informative because once they figured out what it was and how to get it done, I got one lady now, she's totally in the dialect. She can drop dialect in a heartbeat. But before that, she didn't know what it was. Right. So they love learning. They will probably never admit it, but they enjoy being challenged. We do a thing called uh, product product. Uh, again, part of what I'm doing is to get them to think, process, engage their creativity. So with product product, you're given something, anything, a glass. And the object is for you to create a product that is not glass, name it, claim it, sell it. It's got to have a price and 
you know, you got to do the whole thing with this thing. Right. And that process for them is challenging, but they love it. They will come and ask, we're going to do product, but no, not today. But just to watch them go through and learn and discover that they can do these things. No one has asked them to do right. these things in years. Okay, so now, so so that's wonderful because, yeah, you can imagine that they've been not challenged as retirees for a number of years mm -hmm. at that point. They've not, you know, uh, been challenged in, in a workforce thing. They've not been in school and even longer than that. So that starts to create new connections in the brain. It's new all over again. Yes. yes. That reinvigorates the spirit of these individuals because there's new discovery, excitement mm -hmm. that they haven't had that. Yeah. Okay, so now what has it done for you to be able to bring them to those discoveries? We only got like a minute. They so have I'm taught me to laugh. I come home from class on Tuesdays and Thursdays exhausted from laughter because they're unabashed in whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing. If it's trying to find their pelvis or how do you spell whatever, they are okay, but they keep going. You know, we fight amongst ourselves, but it's with love. Get a new lady came in and she was acting a little weird. You know, she was like nervous. I don't know if I can do this. And to a one on their own time, they went over to her and they said, it's okay. We got you. That's beautiful. I mean, just for them to come together and, and be supportive of one another mm -hmm. uh, and to be able to trust. Yes, and, and all it's that. the trust. Oh, my God. That's a trust. beautiful thing. And so I want to thank you for being here today and shedding some light on this. And also wanted to make sure that you knew that you had extended an invitation for my mother to join this group. And she is going to do that. All right. So you yes. will see her probably Tuesday. I got to get her a little gear together. But, okay. And what a blessing that is uh, because so few opportunities. And yeah, it's not puzzle pieces and mm. sort of busy work. It's It actually is challenging and a beautiful thing. So how old is your mom? My is mom is 83. Lie. Oh, she's right in the middle. So, uh, Sandra, it has been a joy having you here today, and uh, and I encourage you to press on, and thank you for joining us today as we've been talking about aging creatively. And so I would like for you to tune in next week uh, for more explosive conversations. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday. Have a wonderful week.